0: Amos 5, 4 through 7. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, and do not enter into Gilgal, or cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth. This is God's word. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Our oh Lord God, we thank You for uh, the good news about which we've just been singing, how You love us, how You reach out to us. And we pray, Lord, as we come now to this um, next uh, section, next bit of the book of Amos, that You would help us to understand these words that were written <laughs> so long ago. And help us, Lord, to see how they are still relevant today, how they speak today. So fill us with your Spirit and work powerfully this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, those of you who uh, know me will realize that I'm not um, particularly good at fixing things. In fact, one uh, time in our family that became sort of uh, notorious was uh, our fence around our our back lot needed to be uh, fixed, and um, we're having some people around the next day, and it backs onto a road, and so it needed to be fixed, and I, I came home late that evening, and it was dark outside, and I went to work to fix the fence to discover the next morning that I had put it upside down which I take some skill, you know, that's really... Um, well, anyway, one, one time when we were uh, new to Wheaton, uh, we had been very graciously lent a car t- to drive around, and I was driving around running various errands, and uh, the car broke down. And so I solemnly got out of the car and popped the hood, because I know that's what you're meant to do, not that I would have any idea what was underneath, underneath other than an engine... Uh, looked inside and confirmed that indeed it was an engine, and uh, then decided I'd better call someone. So I did, and he came along and discovered I had run out of gas. (laughs) So that was pretty bad. If you are driving your car and you realize that you're running out of gas, what do you do? You go to a gas station and you fill up the car. Somewhat similarly, it is a basic Christian truth, a basic spiritual reality, that we human beings are made to be filled with God. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Thee. We have a God-shaped hole within us we are made to be filled with God with God. It's a basic spiritual truth. Uh, But the Israelites had forgotten this. In the time that Amos was writing, not only were they not filling themselves up with God, um, they were filling themselves up with other things, idolatry, idols. It would be a bit like going to uh, the gas station to fill up your car and instead of putting gasoline in, um, putting in diesel. If you didn't have a diesel engine, things would not go well. And Amos here is comparing what happens when you fill up your life with God or you seek God versus what happens when you fill up your life or you seek idols, idolatry. And uh, he, um, in this little snippet from his next sermon, he makes this comparison. So verse 5, he says, do not seek Bethel, do not enter into Gilgal, or cross over to Beer." Sheba. Now, we need a little bit of context here. Both of these, each, all three of these places have become uh, notorious for idolatry. Uh, but it was not always that way. So, a little bit of context. So, Bethel means literally the house of God. And it had been for many years a great center of devotion and what we would call biblical faith. It was the house of God, Bethel. And indeed, it was named Bethel because Jacob, a long time before these words were written, had in his journeys had an experience of God where he had seen heaven open and the famous staircase to heaven with angels ascending and and descending on that stairway. And he said, surely God is here and, and called it Bethel. House of God. But in more recent years, when uh, Israel had split into two, the northern and the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom and the kings of that kingdom uh, didn't want their people to go to Jerusalem to worship God in the temple. And so what they did was at Bethel, they set up idols so that people would seek religiously at Bethel. Gilgal was um, along the same sort of lines. Uh, Gilgal, many, many years before this was written, had originally been a place also of devotion and memory of what God had done. Gilgal was the place when, under Joshua's leadership, a long time before this, they had finally entered the promised land and had celebrated their first Passover. So you remember that God's people wandered around in the desert for a long time before they entered the promised land because they rebelled against God. And then when they finally entered the promised land, they celebrated at Gilgal their first Passover and they said the reproach had rolled off them. And Gilgal means rolled off. And it was a symbol of God's gracious kindness to rescue them. But both these places have become centers of idolatry. You can see this. Amos talks about it in chapter 4, verse 4. He's very um, sarcastically, he says, um, Come to Bethel and transgress, to Gilgal multiply transgression. Well, there were sacrifices there. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days, but it was idolatrous. Now, Beersheba uh, was not in the north. Um, uh, Beersheba was in the south. In fact, quite a long way south. That's why Uh, When Amos is preaching here, he says, don't seek Bethel, don't enter into Gilgal, but don't cross over to Beersheba. It was a journey for those uh, from the north to get to Beersheba, quite a long way south. Beersheba, a long time before Amos preached this, was the place where Abraham had struck a deal, if you like, with the pagan king Abimelech under God's protection and under God's arrangement that uh, there would be uh, water and provision for for Abraham and his family. Uh, Beersheba means either the place of the oath, because There had been this deal that was struck that would provide a place of protection and provision for Abraham and his family. Or it means uh, the place of the seven wells because of all the water there. And it was symbolic of how God, when God's people had been wandering, when Abraham and his family had been wandering through the land, God had protected them. God had provided for them. But again, Beersheba and Amos talks about this in chapter eight uh, verse fourteen Beersheba become idolatrous too. Uh, he says there are those who swear by the guilt of Samaria and say as your God lives, O Dan, that's the pagan god, and as the way of Beersheba lives also therefore uh, idolatrous. And, and what Amos is doing here is he's saying that, that having an idol in your life, having idolatrous tendencies seeking Bethel, Gilgal, or Beersheba, has consequences. In the same way that putting diesel into the gas tank of your car, if it's not meant to run on diesel, will have consequences. And he actually uh, brings out those consequences with something of a pun. Uh, 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 or at least one scholar thinks this is what's going on. So when he says here, it, 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 uh, he, he's punning. He's, he's, he's emphasizing rhetorically what's going to happen as a consequence by using a pun. So he, he says at the end of verse 5, when he says, For Gilgal shall surely go into exile. It, it's very difficult to put it into English, but it could be something a bit like... Um, Gilgal, get gone. He's using the, the, first, uh, the, the first consonant, resonance, as a sort of pun. Gilgal, get going. And similarly for um, uh, Bethel, when he says, and Bethel shall come to nothing, it's, it, uh, some scholars think there's some punning there too. Again, very difficult to put into English, but a bit like uh, Bethel be evil. It's going to come to nothing. And see, that's what idols do to us. There are consequences. If we worship sex, and if there's any idol in Western society today Surely, sex is an idolatrous tendency of our culture today. If we worship sex, why are we surprised when there's prominent sexual abuse? Well, of course, there are consequences. If we as a, as a people, as a culture, as a society worship money and if there's any idolatrous tendencies in our culture, our society today, surely, the worship of money is prominent. If we have an idolatrous tendency towards money, why are we surprised? When there's a growing gap between the rich and the poor? Of course. It's the natural consequence of an idolatry of money. If we as a culture, as a people, society worship power, and if there's any idolatrous tendencies in our society today, that surely is one. We, we, we are denying ultimate truth as a culture. There's no ultimate truth. Everyone just has their own idea. It's just a matter of everyone's opinion, and therefore what's left is power. Who's in charge? And if we worship power, why are we surprised when there's so much injustice? Of course. And actually that is what Amos is saying. You remember this, this series is about the good news of God's justice. And Amos is talking about justice over and over again in this book of, the, of his and the sermons that this book represents. And you can see there at the end what he's saying is, uh, verse 7 He's talked about Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba and the idolatry there and what happens when you seek there. Gilgal going to exile, Bethel coming to nothing. But then verse 7 he says, O you who turn justice to wormwood. Wormwood it, it, it was is a particularly bitter plant that in a strong enough dose could even become poisonous. So O you who turn justice... To poison, or at least make it bitter. And cast down righteousness, doing the right thing, living the right way. Cast down righteousness to the earth, making it earthy. What he's saying is, the injustice of his day, and by application our day too. is ultimately a worship problem the reason why in his day there's prominent injustice is because of prominent idolatry you say okay but what how do i know it's one thing to call out the idols of of our culture. How do I know whether I have an idol? It's important to understand what an idol actually is. So an idol is not actually a little statue. That's not what an idol is. An an idol is more than that. The essence of idolatry is a reversion or an inversion of the creation Pattern. So we are made in the image of God. Idolatry is making God in our image. I like to think of God like this. But I don't like what the Bible says about it. But I, I like to think of I'm making God. In my own image. I don't like what the Bible has to say about this, that, and the other. But this is the kind of God I like. And once you see that's what idolatry is. You see idolatrous tendencies all over the place. John Calvin said, the human heart is an idol-making factory. So then how do I know whether, whether I have any idolatrous tendencies, whether you have any idolatrous tendencies? Well, it comes down to what you seek. Where you put your time Your talent, your treasure. What you are seeking, what you invest your time in, your most precious resource, what you give your life towards, your talents, where you invest your treasure. That's what you're seeking. That's what's idolatrous. And the thing about idols is that an idol always demands sacrifice from you. it always demands its pound of flesh the person who fundamentally is seeking success and gives all of their life to their working career they worship their work they work at their play and they play at their worship That person who gives all their life to their working career will come to the end of their days and survey the wreckage of their family and their personal lives. An idol always demands sacrifice from you, whereas God, He sacrifices Himself for you. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost, and therefore we seek him. What then do we need to do about it? Well, we need to do what uh, Amos says. Um, Stop seeking Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba, and instead seek the Lord and live. The consequence of seeking the Lord is life. Now, fullness of life and eternal life. How do I do that? Well, uh, Jesus, when he taught on seeking, uh, first of all, it is a matter of priority. So Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. So all the other things that you worry about, all the things that you're anxious about, your clothes, your food, your money, all that, instead of seeking that, seek God and his kingdom. Make that your priority, and all these other things will be added unto you. See, we're often asked... What are your priorities? Wrong question. You can't have priorities. You can only have a priority is what comes first. You can only have one thing first. What's your priority? What's first? Jonathan Edwards preached a very famous um, sermon on that particular uh, passage where Jesus taught seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things will be added unto you. It's a long and complicated sermon, but basically what Edwards is saying is he preaches in his congregation to a group of business people. His area his was filled with business people, making a lot of money. So he preached to them, he basically said, look, what you need to understand is look at it this way. God is offering you a contract. Look at it practically. Here's the contract. If you put first, God is saying, my kingdom, you make it first thing for you, my business, kingdom of God, evangelism, church planting, missions, discipleship, the church, You put that first, here's the contract. I guarantee I'll take care of everything else. The God of the whole universe is offering you a contract. If you put him first, he'll take care of everything else. It's a matter of priority. It's also a matter of persistence. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. It's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time decision. It's a matter of persistence, keeping on going, not giving up, asking, seeking, knocking over and over again, pursuing God, pursuing what is right. It's not just reading the Bible once, it's reading the Bible each day. It's not just turning up to church occasionally, it's coming along in a committed way. It's not just asking one time that God would bring revival to Chicagoland. It's asking over and over again and seeking and knocking. It's a matter of persistence. Ask, seek knock, don't give up, ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock, priority, persistence. But then most of all, and most importantly of all, it's a spiritual matter. Uh, The Apostle Paul teaches in Colossians chapter 3, he says this, since you have been raised with Christ, Then set your heart and your mind on things above. Or seek that which is above. But it starts with being raised with Christ. Since you have been raised with Christ, that is a spiritual resurrection. New life. Regeneration. Being born again. A new work of Christ in your life. Since you have been raised with Christ, then seek that which is above. It's a spiritual work, and only God can do it. Now, there's a promise here. As Amos says, or God speaking through Amos, seek me and live. That's the promise. Or as he then preaches what he heard from God prophetically, he says, seek the Lord and live. As a promise. But it must be something that God does. Only he can give you new life. But not only that. it's urgent see amos uh, does say well uh, seek uh, stop seeking bethel sometime and go and seek god maybe next week he says seek the lord and live lest he break out like fire You know, when we are driving in our car and the gas tank, the fuel gauge says we're running out of gas, we think as we're driving down the highway, well, I could stop off at this gas station or if I go another five miles down the road, there'll be another another place to stop off and I can wait a bit longer and maybe another five miles, there'll be another gas station. But this is not like that. The, uh, perhaps you remember just a few weeks ago, there was a ransomware attack on the um, pipeline, the, the gas pipeline that runs all the way up, five and a half thousand miles or so, all the way up the East Coast and shut down that pipeline. And People became quite concerned that they'd run out of gas. And you got all these news stories of people going to gas stations with an extra little portable fuel tank and filling it up unnecessarily as it turned out. But there was an urgency. And here, what Amos is saying is, this offer, stop seeking Bethel, seek the Lord and live. This offer has a time stamp on it. It's good for today. Who knows about tomorrow? Jesus can return any moment. It's good for today, and therefore, seek the Lord and live. Let's pray together. Our Lord God, we do uh, thank you for this, your word, and we pray that indeed, yes, we would deal with the idolatry in our lives. And instead, experience the fullness of life and joy that comes from seeking you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.